on the tracks here. Um, but, but assuming those things come to fruition in the next year or two, I think you're going to see that become a much bigger part of this team's ethos, a bigger part of their identity. Welcome into the Hot Read podcast for Wednesday, January 24th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are we doing? I'm good. Happy Tuesday. Uh, just about... Like you said, 24 hours since we last talked about Brian Callahan becoming the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, but ready to jump into a little bit more in depth and have a little bit bigger of a discussion about it. But I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. We uh, we did a 440 Sports mega cast last night with Stoney and Zach and Braden. It was a good time, and I definitely recommend going and checking that out. You can find it anywhere it's on our podcast streams it's on broadway sports media's youtube page it's on 440's youtube page uh, it's on twitter on my twitter account it's it's uh, pinned at the top of my profile so you can find that instant reaction with all five of us on a, a mega panel and it was a, a good time today we're going to dive into the aftermath the, the, we've had time to sort through the rubble and we've got uh plenty of details on what happened why it happened we're going to talk about primarily what this higher could mean for the Tennessee Titans as a franchise going forward, what it could mean for Will Levis as the potential franchise quarterback for this team going forward. We're going to dive into all of those implications today, as well as your thoughts, comments, questions on the Titans decision to hire Brian Callahan as their new head coach. So do me a favor. If you're not watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Twitter, or on Facebook, that's great. We appreciate you being here with us live. Do me a favor, head on over to YouTube. Find Broadway Sports Media on the uh, the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page on YouTube. Find this live stream on that channel. And that's where you can be a part of today's conversation in the comments. Like Paul and Kyle, Logan, tighten up Tony. All of those guys already in there. Appreciate you guys being with us. Hey, if you are with us already live, do me one additional favor. Hit like, hit retweet, um, hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. I know that a lot of you guys, we can see the metrics. You watch, but you're not subscribed. It's free to you. It, it it costs you nothing. It's very helpful to us. And so we would appreciate you doing that. Helping us out, get that number up as much as possible. We are brought to you today, as always, by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, our wonderful and amazing sponsor here on the Hot Read Podcast. And I'm going to tell you all about them a little bit later in today's show. But for now, JT, let's go ahead and dive right in to, as I'm vamping, Trying to pull up my notes here because that's what we do here on the show. We come prepared. Uh, the Titans' decision to hire Brian Callahan. Um, do you remember a couple of well, how long ago did they fire Vrabel? Two, th- three weeks, two weeks? I think it was two weeks. Um, w- we came on this show and we talked about that decision. And I said, I went back and, and found it. Here's what I said. I said, here's what's crazy about the Titans. In six weeks, they could have a Ben Johnson in the house, and suddenly they're rocking and rolling with a very modern, very forward-thinking head coach, GM Tannen, with a metric ton of money and high draft picks, and everything looks sick and exciting again. It really can change in an instant, but right now things feel horrendous because they've handled what could be ultimately a good and necessary change so poorly. What I meant to say when I said that was it'd be two weeks and it'd be Brian Callahan, because here we are, and that's what has happened, right? Suddenly, the Titans have gone from head coachless maybe directionless adrift uh, with, without a sail, without a paddle. And they went and they made a decision that 
was extremely popular, which is, I think, an understated thing to do. I don't think we're talking just how much um, talking about just how much uh, a difficult task it is to make a head coaching hire, having to follow, you know, a guy in Mike Vrabel who at the end became beloved by some, hated by some, a man that had a lot of gravitas, was a real character and was for better or for worse, the face of a franchise, the task of having to replace him and have people largely agree on the decision. That's difficult. And the Titans managed to do it. Amy Adams, Strunk and Rand Carthen, they found their guy in Brian Callahan. And it's the guy that in the 24 to 48 hours preceding the announcement of the hiring, it seemed like all Titans media and fans had come like the stars had aligned. And I, I was talking to some folks before we knew yesterday afternoon uh, that are in other markets. They were asking me about, uh, you know, our buddy Danny Kelly from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show asking me about what the vibe was. And I said, everyone seems to want Brian Callahan. And I would love Brian Callahan. And I think that they would like Brian, Brian Callahan. But I'm bracing for like, you know, Aaron Glenn or Dan Quinn. But they went with the guy that everybody wanted. So that's fantastic. Um, and, and so they did what I wished would happen, what I think you wished would happen. And, and they didn't do what I thought would happen. I, I've got in the past like three months, this uncanny, unfortunate habit of tweeting out what I think the Titans are going to do and then them doing the exact opposite. I think it's actually only two examples, but it's just the two biggest examples. It, it was, was, I was going to bring it up last night about was, like, it's just two examples, right? It's, it I said, is. it's the, and then they immediately fired Vrabel. And then I yes. said, I don't think they were going to hire anybody yet. And then they immediately hired somebody. So. Well, I was also going to say, if we go back even further into this season, um, when you said that Vrabel would never uh, fire, his name's already escaping. Uh, 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 I, just, I said he would never fire a coach in season. Yes. And, and then they went ahead and did that right there. Um, and then also, yeah, with with all the other ones there, <laughs> you, you've gotten a little bit of a habit now of uh, I have <laughs> just just Which, predicting the absolute you, wrong thing. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm I guess I'm over three in the last three big ones. Um, yes. Which you could say makes like you could say that I'm on a cold streak and that makes me a bad prognosticator. What I would say is that it actually it's it's as hard to go zero and three as it is to go three and zero if you think about it. Like when you hit a reverse parlay. Like that's as impressive as getting them all right. So I also actually may have like a magical, but maybe the Titans front office is tuned into what I have to say. And they're just hell bent on making me look dumb. And so whatever I say, the opposite happens. Like if anyone has any requests, I am taking requests. Um, But no, I, and not to sit here and try to defend myself. Like, again, I think I've said it before that good sports media is taking victory laps when you're right and making fun of yourself when you're wrong. And anybody that tells you they're not wrong, sometimes is a liar because that's the nature of the business. Um, I've been wrong three times in a row now, and it's very funny. I, I don't think it makes me a bad prognosticator as much as it just goes to show with all three of these examples, the Titans kind of, but all, all three of my takes weren't, here's, here's the difference, I think, between somebody like the way that I approach this and the way that some folks on the radio, not to name anybody in particular, but there's a couple of people that come to mind, approach these kind of things. When I say stuff like that, it's me doing my best to read the tea leaves and guess what's going to happen based on what has happened in the past. Try to to to, to identify a trend and then you, with you know form an educated guess as to what that trend is going to indicate the next thing looks like. It's not um, what some people do in in this sports media business where they are looking to stick their neck out there and and, 
have a hot take that may or may not actually be based on anything just to kind of get it out there and throw a dart at the board and see if it lands. And what I find interesting about these three, again, very funny instances of me being very, it's not just that I was wrong, but it's the timeliness. All three, I think I said the day that the opposite thing happened. All three are kind of examples of the Titans bucking a trend, right? Like I said that Mike Vrabel wouldn't fire a coach in season because he'd fired plenty of coaches before, but he'd always waited until the end of the year to fire them. And oftentimes you could argue waited too long to fire them. And then he bucked that trend, right? With Mike Vrabel, the reason why I said I don't think they'd fire him is because they had indicated to us in the building and the rest of the NFL had indicated that Mike Vrabel has immense value. The Mike Vrabel is a guy that that they wanted around the Titans wanted around to be a, a part of the future of their franchise. And, and then they fired him. What did we find out in, in articles from the athletic um, just days later that as recently as six weeks before the firing, Mike Vrabel was very firmly within the future plans of Amy Adams strong for the Tennessee Titans. So that changed in an instant. And then here, I, I did not think that the Titans would go out of their way to make the first hire of the season to make a hire pretty early on in the in the head coaching hiring process because of the fact that from the jump, they had made it clear that they were going to be intentional and thorough in the process of finding their next guy. And they cast a very, very wide net. They inter- they requested 11 guys to interview. They had just started bringing back guys for their first in-person, second interview callbacks. And so because of that, and I laid that out in the tweet where I was dead wrong. I said, I, for that reason, I just, I think those context clues logically point us towards they're probably not going to hire anybody yet because they want to make sure that they have all of their bases covered. I was wrong and I'm glad I was wrong. But again, that was them kind of putting that to the wayside. I, I'm ultimately very glad that I, I guess you could say I underestimated them here because I think that they made the right decision in so far as clearly they had this guy in mind and clearly he was their guy when they had him in the building where they said to themselves, we can't let this guy leave the building. And that's what I wanted them to do. I just didn't really have any faith in them to do it. I was wrong. I should have had faith because it's what they did. And so I'm stoked that they felt that conviction, you know, on their guy and they pulled the trigger and didn't let him go to his other two in-person scheduled interviews this week. Um, But I don't know. Is that just me coping JT or is it, is it kind of an interesting trend? I, I, Maybe it's just cope and you can tell me if it's just cope, but I think it is interesting that um, they've done some things that are unexpected recently. Yeah, I, I no, I don't think it's cope at all. I think really when you look at the last year yeah, and a half or later. so, Thank you. Um, <laughs> when, when you, when you look at the last year and a half and the kind of practice that this Titans ownership group has, has gone through it it's been really really neg- negative um around this as he says nostra longus i think that's Look, so said, funny. i'm, I'm nostra longus which is um, mean but it's funny so i'll let it pass um it's really negative ar- around how they've done their business and i have to give props to amy adam strunk and Rand carthen and all of these guys in the front office for really like you said kind of learning from their mistakes and going out and getting their guy and I- i'm totally on board with with them going out there and saying, like I said last night, not letting him leave the building. Like this is the guy we really think that this is one of those guys that we can truly uh, build around for the rest of uh, the off season and beyond. And we're not going to let him leave this building without an offer. And I think that's what they did. And I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see this kind of shift in ideology of them being able to know what they want and go out and get it. And props to them for being the first uh, team to kind of get, their coaching hire because now as as the Titans kind of start this this race, we already are starting to see 
the Chargers are really deep into talks with Jim Harbaugh. A lot of teams are starting to pick up, pick up momentum here. And uh, that's because the Titans decided to get out in, in front of it. Logan's got my back here. He says it's not cope that the, the Titans PR is watching my predictions and doing the opposite to try to bring me down. I, that is, I think, obviously the logical explanation here. So we'll run with that. Um, so let's talk about what kind of coach the Titans have and Brian Callahan. And again, if you're watching with us live today, I appreciate you being here. Would love to hear your thoughts and comments. Head on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream there on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Join us in the comments and we will, uh, JT is going to do his best to keep an eye on those and we'll address anything that we find interesting. So give us interesting comments and questions and we'll get you on the show. Uh, a, a very brief background because I don't I don't want to do the whole let's spend 15 minutes giving you the full rundown on who Brian Callahan is. There's plenty of very good articles out there. In fact, I'll recommend one to you because it was the earliest one. And I think it's the best one still. Our buddy Zach Lyons, who I you know, I he does not deserve the praise that I just the kind heartedness, the good soul of a person that I am to, to shout him out so much on this show. But you know what? I just am that good of a person. Uh, he did an awesome profile on Brian Callahan, I think from January 11th, when he was doing profiles of the candidates very early on. It is a gajillion words, I think, at last count. And it is everything that you could possibly want to know about Callahan. It's more, I told, I texted him, I told him, you went into more detail on these guys than I could ever care to, which is more power to you. So if you want to know everything there is to know about Brian Callahan, check out his article, which I'll, I don't know why I'm doing a free shout out, but I'm just feeling generous. He's uh, got his, his website stacking the inbox where he does his written content stacking the He's got an awesome article on Brian Callahan there, but just a very basic summary of uh, who Brian Callahan is. Got a very fantastic NFL pedigree. Bulk of his experience is uh, under the Shanahan McVay tree. So that's the kind of guy you're getting from a scheme standpoint, from a, NFL heritage standpoint. Uh, he's had stints with Gary Kubiak, who's a Shanahan disciple in Denver. He was there during the uh, Peyton Broncos years, primarily when they went to a couple, couple of Super Bowls. Zach Taylor, of course, uh, with the Bengals, where he was just a part of the Joe Burrow era in Cincinnati and uh, working with Zach Taylor, who himself is a McVeigh disciple. And then he's also worked in the past with John Gruden in Las Vegas during the early Derek Carr years. And then Jim Caldwell in Detroit for some of the earlier parts of the Matt Stafford era. So some big boy quarterback names on that list. And uh, he's finishing up this, this past year was his 15th year in the NFL. He's just 39 years old. So very young guy that you're bringing in here. He's primarily worked with quarterbacks, obviously Stafford and Carr and Burrow and uh, Peyton Manning and Tim Tebow. You can throw in there. Uh, it, it, he's drawn rave reviews from those guys, Manning and Stafford and Burrow. The biggest question with him, obviously, and we talked about this when he was a candidate for the team, he's never called plays. Now, that does not mean that he can't call plays. Um, and I've seen some folks already, Titans fans with those two-tone colored glasses on, already defending. Well, just because he just because he didn't call plays doesn't mean he can't. That's true. That's fair. Um, there, there are very violent examples of this going very good and very wrong in the past. Uh, like some examples of things like recent examples of guys that had never called plays, but ended up being really very good play callers. Zach Taylor had never called plays until he was out from underneath uh, Sean McVay in, in Las, or Los Angeles and, and went to the Bengals. And they've obviously had a lot of success. And then Mike McDaniel hired away from San Francisco last year, goes to Miami, had never called plays because he was underneath Kyle Shanahan. And now you see what he's doing easily, in my opinion, the most innovative play caller and designer in the league right now. 
who knew, right? You got to let him try to figure that out. He's also Brian Callahan got a seal of appro- approval from Peyton Manning, which is in the NFL. I mean, that's royalty. That's getting literally the rings, the, the, the King's ring stamped onto your resume uh, th- that there's also very good and very bad examples of this in the past. The name that comes to everybody's mind when you say, well, Peyton likes him is Adam Gase because Adam Gase was a, uh, a guy that Peyton really shilled for and got him two head coaching jobs, even though he stunk at his job and players notoriously didn't like him. So that, you know, there's that, but, Um, that was, I think that's the most popular one, which is fair. What's not popularly known. And I don't really know why another guy that Peyton Manning had a folks in the know. I've read them say pretty explicitly. It was Peyton who ultimately got him. This job was Shane Steichen with the Colts last year. Peyton's influence played a big part in him getting that role. And you saw what Shane Steichen has been in Indianapolis this past year. So again, that take, take it with a grain of salt, but it does, it's not, it's not good or bad. It's just something that I, I find is uh, interesting about, about uh, Brian Callahan. There's another thing that I said in, in our past episodes, JT, that I was thinking about in prepping for today's show. And I wanted to bring it up. I, I meant to go just clip what I said so that we could revisit it. And then I could give my thoughts on it. But I, I went and I found the notes that I'd written on it. So here's what I said. It was our episode with James Foster, I think early last week when we were talking through these candidates. And I was talking about what I'm interested in in the coaching search because it was essentially an open-ended question that I asked that I now want to try to answer. Okay, so what I said was, I am much, much more interested in the type of coach, the type that the Titans hire than who the actual guy is. Why? Because every year we hear about good hires and bad hires and guys who are supposed to be a home run turn out to be a bum. And the popularly mocked guys like Dan Campbell sometimes turn out to be Dan Campbell fit within the existing team structure, culture and relationship building skills and other intangibles matter so much that I find trying to decide if a guy will be good or not on day one of their tenure to largely be a waste of time. It certainly gets clicks, but it's just not my thing. I want to see what direction team leadership wants to go based on the kind of coach that they hire. I want to speak to the guy who gets the job, get a feel for who he is as a man and a leader. I want to evaluate the first couple decisions uh, and coaching staff hires that he makes in his first offseason. That's what I think people should really be focused on with a new coach coming to town. The specific name and their resume matters less than I think people tend to think. So what type of coach did the Titans get in Brian Callahan? Obviously, some of those later questions that I asked there, I can't answer yet. We have not had a chance to talk to him. I've not had a chance to gauge who he is as a leader, what kind of man he is. We've not seen any of the offseason decision uh, making skills that he has, the, the, the things that he decides to do for and with this team. So those are TBD. But now that we know who the guy is, and to my point more specifically, the type of coach that he is. I think we can't answer some of these questions. So what type of coach do the Titans have in Brian Callahan? I jotted down some thoughts on him based on what we've heard and what we have seen on his resume from his past experience as a coach. He's offensively minded, obviously, analytically savvy, young and forward thinking, invaluable to the plan and the process week to week, according to his coworkers, according to his fellow coaches, invaluable as a teacher, according to his players, an excellent excellent communicator, which is obviously very important and something that the Titans in their rebound from the John Robinson, Mike variable era where communication was rocky at best. It seems they're looking for one of those guys, an excellent communicator, somebody with an incredibly deep Rolodex of NFL contacts to build out his staff, which I am so excited to see the guys that he gets on the staff because of how deep his contact list goes. All of that being said, I think it's, 
kind of the best case scenario for the Titans. If I were to give you a list of qualifications, a list of uh, a list of of traits in a potential head coaching hire, most of these things would be on that list verbatim for me. And so I think for the future of the franchise, that's huge. And in terms of where in general the Titans are headed, it feels like the modern era. It feels like the future, does it not? No, I totally agree with you. Um, and I think that this is one of the hires that checks, like you said, all the boxes for me, um, just from casting that wide net of, of personal connections that he has to the guys that, um, that he's been around quarterback wise and trying to elevate Will Levis to the next level. It it is the guy that you can build around and know that he's going to bring the culture. And then to the point where even though, the guys he may bring in for offensive and co- defensive coordinators may down the line get get poached by another team. Yep. He's still going to keep that culture. And once again, he still is going to grow that long list of connections. And there may very well be another guy waiting in the wings that he knows that he can bring in and continue what he wants to build. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we move on here, I want to get to some of these comments. Paul, one of our best friends here on the show uh, early on said Callahan has innovative and flexible adjustments in game and in season on his resume. As soon as he said, uh, as soon as he said that in the interview and had evidence of it, he was the guy. This is the vision. Appreciate you defining that vision for us, Paul. I'm glad somebody can strike saying so glad the Titans didn't hire a DC. So you don't have to fold the franchise. Thank goodness that you don't have to tune out for the foreseeable future. As I was reliably informed, you'd have to do the hired a defensive coach. Uh, Trevor asking who the leading candidates are for DC and OC. Good question. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. Some thoughts on that, and I'm sure that picture will kind of come into focus in the next couple of days, but we've got some thoughts on who those guys might could be. Josh Grantham in the comments saying, feels like the obvious move, which is why initially with the Vrabel firing, there was reason for doubt with our coaching history. Feels like Vrabes was a stepping stone for who's next. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully indeed. Uh, Listen, like the Vrabel coaching tenure in my mind. And I think in the history books is going to be remembered as a very positive experience as a very necessary thing for the Titans. Um, Whether you loved him or hated him in the end, what he did to stabilize the culture of this team, what he did to bring them into some kind of actual national relevance for a bit, make people care about them, make free agents care about them as a destination Um, like that, that matters. And there's a reason why people started to care because he brought stability. He helped fix the culture. He helped take them up into a, a, another echelon of being a big boy franchise a little bit. And so the next guy is going to be tasked. Brian Kelly is going to be tasked with taking that baton and not fumbling it, but carrying it on, keep going up the stairs, um, elevate this team even further. Roshan saying, having a coach who knows what EPA per play is, is either going to be awesome or the Titans organization is going to reject him like a bad organ transplant for not being a caveman. Uh, based on the bits and pieces that we've heard from maybe Adam Strunk and Rand Carthon, it sounds like they are dead set on that kind of guy being the future of this team. And so we're going to talk about, a little bit about that later on in the show. But I, I completely agree that it could be a significant improvement for this team just from a philosophy standpoint. And then our buddy Kenneth saying, the only thing I'm scared about is that Brian Callahan, uh, his stock was raised by being tied to Joe Burrow. Not that Callahan was a great offensive mind himself. Sure, that's always the concern. And that's that's the risk you run. Listen, like that was part of the handicap on Bobby Slowick, right? What was it Bobby Slowick? Was it those players? Was it CJ Stroud and Tank Dell and and Devin Singletary uh and Nico Collins taking the leap and and coming in and and 
being just dudes out there and being better? Or was it the coordination of Bobby Slowick? Like there's, it's always a combination of the two, but when you're getting a guy in Brian Callahan, who has had a lot of success in recent years, but it's been with Joe Burrow and T Higgins, Jamar chase, and Tyler Boyd. And like, there's a chance that it was more of those guys than the coordination. So we'll have to see. But I think, um, as we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, there are some certainly some indicators with Callahan and his experience in Cincinnati that point to it being uh, more than just having good players in, in particular, because there were times when they had not so good players and he made them relevant, right? You've got your Andre Yosevases and your, um, who are some other low level receivers on that team. I mean, that's, that's one of the big ones. I mean, Andre Yosevas, Charlie Jones, the dynamic duo of Trent Irwin and then Trenton Irwin, two different Ah, players. Yes. Like these guys, he's been able to elevate and to Kenneth's point real quick. I just want to kind of take a, maybe disagree with that just a little bit to me, mostly because I think when you look at just this last season, which I think was his best season offensively from, from a, from a, just the whole season perspective. It sounds interesting, but really when you get down to it with the Joe Burrow injury and and him going down middle of the season, Brian Callahan essentially took that offense and and took what they do good, which is throw it to like, do what T Higgins and Jamar chase and Joe Burrow do good. Like that's always been his plan. Like he's not someone who's like one of these super reinvent the wheel, Mike McDaniel type of guys. No, he had Joe. Of course, he has Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. Obviously, you're going to do what those three players do the best. Like, why would you try to fit them into a different mold? However, right when you don't have a Joe Burrow or a, a T. Higgins playing at 100% or playing at all, Brian Callahan was able to reinvent this offense overnight. And the easiest way you can look at it is during the beginning of the season, they rarely ever played Joe Burrow under center because that is something mm-hmm. that Joe Burrow absolutely hates to do. He, he will, he does not work for him. Not However, you put Jake Browning in there, that offense played almost 50, 55% from under center, like playing to Jake Browning's strengths, which kind of made him that kind of big story of being that backup and being able to win some games still and still finish above 500 for the Cincinnati Bengals, despite not getting to the playoffs. But Brian Callahan is able to do leaps and bounds more than just kind of work within the confines of a Joe Burrow. And I think that's one of the biggest things that to take away from his season this past year with the Cincinnati Bengals. And he better be. And I'm glad you brought that up because that chameleonic nature, Ooh, chameleon, take that and put it in your vocab bank, his chameleonic uh, nature as a, as a play caller and as a, as an adjuster, as a schemer, as a coach, that's going to be like necessary for him to succeed with the Titans. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Shil Kapadia is somebody that writes for the ringer. He's been covering the NFL for a long time. He's got an article out that it's been out for like seven years and he updates it every year. It's a phenomenal article every off season. It's, it's like, I forget. I think it's the 11 rules for hiring a coach or something like that. It's essentially a guide for what to and not to do in coaching hiring. And one of the things in there, when I was refreshing my memory on it uh, earlier today was he says, hire a guide, not a scheme. And he goes into a lot of detail that I won't read out to you, but I recommend going and checking it out. Um, again, Shiel Kapadia is the guy who wrote this. Essentially, the gist of it is don't go and find a scheme that you loved. Don't go and find, well, I love the way that the Ford Niners offense worked this year. I love the way the bill. Go find a guy because the way that an, a, an offense or a defense, a side of the ball works in one situation is not 
even remotely a, a guarantor of the fact that it's going to work in your situation. And I think this is a perfect example. The Titans better have hired the guy, Brian Callahan, and not the system that the Bengals ran with Brian Callahan there. Because Joe Burrow and Will Levis, they kind of couldn't be any different from a what, at least in my opinion, I think just as prospects. I don't think they're built to operate on any given Sunday the same way. Joe Burrow's like that offense, the way that Joe Burrow thrives is, okay, I'm going to throw the ball like, 35 to 45 times I'm going to, it's going to be a lot of like at the line of scrimmage to the hashes outbreaking routes. I'm going to throw it to the sideline. I'm not going to throw it in the middle or down the field a whole lot. We're going to throw it a whole big volume passer in this game. Going to be a lot of little intermediate stuff and, and high accuracy. And we're going to take some shots downfield, right? That's Joe Burrow. Will Levis is built to throw the ball like 20 to 30 times a game. and pepper the middle of the field like 10 to 15 yards downfield and take big rip shots downfield and try to take the top off of defense that's that's what levis is designed to do they, they kind of couldn't be any different in that regard and i i heard that i, I want to give credit because i heard that from somebody that's not an original thought of mine but it's a good point and i cannot for the life of me remember who said it so sorry but whoever said it it's true they are very different and i think that's super important to the, the the future success of this team, whether or not Callahan, the guy, is just good at this, no matter the situation that he's placed in, or if Callahan, the guy, and the Callahan scheme, the Callahan playbook, is something that is is you know fantastic in Cincinnati, but maybe not going to translate super well to here in Tennessee. Yeah, no, I agree with you, um, and that's kind of the perfect microcosm of Brian Callahan and the ability that I think he brings to the table. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see what he can do. Like you said, that's a very fair point. Cause when you go back and look at Joe Burrow's first four or five games this year, truly was trying to do literally anything and everything to get the ball out within two or three seconds. And the ball was not going more than 10 yards down the field. Now with Will Levis, you're plan is to try to get him as much time as possible to be able to throw those those tight window throws across the middle of the field and make big chunk plays while also establishing a run game which I think is going to be a, a pretty steep difference uh, and staunch difference from what they did in Cincinnati but I like I said I, I think Brian Callahan is up for the challenge so let's talk more about who Brian Callahan is and a, a phenomenal paragraph or so was written on Twitter by Joe Goodberry, who I believe was on with the Music City Audible Boys, another show here on the 440 Podcast Network, Music City Audible. They, I think he had him on. He's, he's a friend of that show, and they talked about this hiring today, so check that show out after this one if you'd like. But Joe Goodberry, who's a, a very tenured and respected Cincinnati media member, had this to say. I believe he said this before they, or I don't, was this before or after they hired I believe it was like as it was happening. As it happened. Okay, so here was his synopsis on Callahan, his explanation to those who don't know him. And I think that this is um, as trustworthy as of information as you can get. He said, he's a good down-to-earth guy, easy to talk to, open-minded, grew up in a coaching household, has worked with great quarterbacks, sees the game from their perspective, has helped this offense transform multiple times and figure out their own weaknesses to become their strengths. They've scrapped their entire run game and rebuilt them on the fly. They've uh, scrapped half of their playbook when they un 
under when the under center stuff wasn't working. They took much of the LSU offense for Burrow during the truncated offseason and got early results. They've morphed through each season to fit their roster and what defenses have done to take away their best plays. They've routinely shown the ability to be a completely different type of offense depending on the opponent. The players love him. He understands them and knows what to do to reset them and get everybody on board again. He's not the play caller, but everyone has a hand in what uh, Zach Taylor calls on Sunday. From game planning, building the offense, the playbook, and adjustments, he's the one leading the charge. So a very glowing review from Joe Goodberry, who certainly has uh, a good grasp on the kind of coach that, that Brian Callahan is. A couple of tidbits on this situation before we talk more about the the process here and we'll we'll discuss some potential coaching staff additions for for Brian Callahan and we'll get to your comments of course um now that the Bengals need to replace Callahan as their OC I think people saw this stat but it absolutely bears repeating this means that every team in the NFL has changed their offensive coordinator since 2022 every single 32 teams in the past, it's the 2022 offseason. So the past two offseasons, we're on the third offseason. Uh, it took three offseasons for the entire offensive coordinatorship of the NFL to turn over completely, which is crazy. And just another tangible example of the fact that when you hire a defensive coach and you get good results from your team, you're going to lose your you're going to lose your offensive coordinator one way or another. Guys are getting fired. Guys are getting hired away. The guy, you know, having a guy offensively as the head coach for a continuity's sake kind of invaluable so i'm just i'm so happy that we get to have that um on the team that we cover and maybe they'll like score some points and do some things we'll talk about um what maybe we can expect from them in a minute another tidbit here the afc south is the only division in the nfl with four starting quarterbacks under the age of 25 that was already true but that's crazy very very young group of quarterbacks in this division they're also the only division now to have three head coaches under the age of 40. So the AFC South really embracing the future of the league. I thought that was crazy, but I it, it struck me this morning. I just woken up. I was still sitting in bed. I was like, man, we got some young coaches in this division now. Doug Peterson's 55. He's the old man of the group. But Brian Callahan's 39. D'Amico Ryan's is 39. And Shane Steichen is 38. And then as far as the quarterbacks go, Anthony Richardson's 21. CJ Stroud is 22. And then Levis and Lawrence are both 24. So four quarterbacks under 25, three coaches under 40. It's a youth movement in the uh, AFC South, and and that's, I think, really exciting. It's a very different landscape than it was just two years ago when you had Mike Vrabel and Matt Ryan and Frank Reich and Ryan Tannehill. That was a little, and then Lovey Smith, not exactly sh- short in the tooth. Um, so very, very different situation in the AFC South, and I'm excited about the future of the division. I, I wanted to touch briefly on process because we talked a lot in the the interim between head coaches here about the process this team as an organization undertakes, whether it's good process or bad process versus good results and bad results. And Amy Adams Strunk as an owner being somebody that I think if you're being honest with yourself has undertaken some bad process in some major decisions in the recent past and has gotten herself some good results. I'm pretty sure in this instance, it was good process and I'm hoping that it's going to be a good result, but here's why. Um, Brian Callahan was the Titans first virtual interview request, right? He was also their first in-person callback request that happened pretty early as well. They sent the, this was something we didn't learn until he got hired. Apparently because of that storm that came through the entire area, the entire half of the country, everything got snowy and all the airports shut down. His plane ride for the in-person interview canceled. He was going to have to drive in the 
snow and slush from Cincinnati down to Nashville. The Titans send them the team plane to bring him. Now, maybe they do that for all their candidates. I don't know. But the fact that they're willing to do that for this guy who was their first in-person candidate, they send the plane for him. They conducted, frankly, the bare minimum of in-person interviews in terms of satisfying the Rooney rule and getting all of their ducks in a row before they hired him, didn't let him leave the building once they had him in the building. He was pretty clearly their guy from the jump. I don't know how you can interpret that. I mean, we'll, we'll hear from them hopefully this week. Um, and maybe we can ask that question. But it, it certainly seems to me that he was their guy all along. And if that was the case, then that's good process to me. You identified your guy. You confirmed what you thought about him based on two interviews. You, you, you didn't just look at him. You looked at some others. Ten guys you had a preliminary, preliminary interview with to let you know, give all those guys, even though it was a Zoom interview, give them a chance to like, okay, this is your chance to charm us out of being dead set on our guy. This is your chance. Charm us out. They decided 10, 11 interviews down. Nobody really charmed us more than the guy we thought coming into it that we already wanted. And so they brought him in and they kept him. Yeah, I think it's all about setting that first impression. Brian Callahan brought it, and that's where their bar was, right? And nobody else they brought in ever raised that bar. So once you get through that, you get to the in-person, like you said. It's due process from that point. And once again, props for them to getting it done so quick here. Um, definitely a change from what we've seen in the past couple of years from this Titans team. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like now that he is in the building, I'm also interested to see how quickly this coaching staff kind of comes about. And so the obvious question now is what's going to change? Like what's the, and obviously there's, there's things that are going to change in the immediate future. There are some things that are going to take some time to change. I, a lot of folks talking about how they would love to see some like tangible development from developmental players, which you saw at times with Mike Vrabel, but towards the end of the tenure, th that cupboard ran pretty barren. Um, Callahan's thing, apparently, I mean, like one of the, the big pluses for him on his resume is player development and his, his players seem to back him up in that regard. And so that's something that I think is going to be very cool. Um, and that, but that's going to take longer, right? That's not going to be an immediate change. He's not going to develop these guys overnight. Um, some things that are going to change in the immediate future for the Titans, I think. And uh, an important statistic here that was on the internet that I, I wish I'd written down so I could give credit, but I didn't. Um, the Bengals, they rank in the past five seasons with Brian Callahan there in pass attempts, sixth, 14th, 20th, sixth, and seventh in the NFL. Uh, the Titans, for their part in those five seasons, never finished, or six seasons, never finished higher than 25th in pass attempts in the NFL in the six seasons under Mike Vrabel. So I think you're going to see the passing game become a big element to this team. JT, we went ahead and that, can you get that clip pulled back up? I think it disappeared when you disappeared, but there's a clip that was floating around the internet that I think is, is worth sharing here. It's Brian Callahan talking uh, a couple of, uh, I don't know if it was a couple years ago, at some point in his, during his tenure with Cincinnati, he was asked about what was most important to him as a coach. Um, and, and so let's pull that clip up real quick uh, from, from him talking about, passing game being a very, very important part of a, a team success in, in the modern NFL. We got that one, JT? Yeah. That win the most games are generally the teams that pass the ball the best. Um, that's usually because they have really good quarterbacks um, and usually because they have guys that can make plays on football uh, outside. And so you're seeing the teams invest in that part of the game uh, really across the board. And, you know, we're, we're no different. We, we spent really two top 35 picks on receivers. Uh, and on a quarterback, and so 
we've invested in it as well. But um, I do think that that's the shift in the league these days is that the, the passing game is, has become the, the focal point. However, um, that does leave you opportunities to be really effective and efficient running the, running the football uh, because defenses do the same thing. They still give the resources to the pass game, which then gives you opportunities, hopefully, uh, in the run game to run against light boxes and numbers advantage and all that stuff. So um, I think the running back is still an important part of, of, of an NFL offense. It just has changed in the way that uh, people view it and look at it, but it's still still have to be able to do those things to, to play good football. So the, the, the first thing he said there at the very beginning, talking about how typically the teams that win the most games are the ones that pass the ball the best. That's a completely new and foreign concept here in Tennessee. Uh, you hear him talking about like EPA per play and stuff in other clips. It, he's just a, it's a different cat than the Titans have had as a, as a coach ever. It's it's a very modern approach. It's a very different approach, and I think that the passing game with Will Levis, and he did the, he said in there, the teams that pass the ball the best are typically the ones that have the best quarterbacks and have playmakers. And so there's going to be an emphasis on those things, talking about how hey, we're going to need to get some better playmakers in here, and hey, we're going to need Will Levis to start playing more consistently like a top tier quarterback. We're going to need to get him developing. Let's get that train on the tracks here. Um, but but assuming those things come to fruition in the next year or two, I think you're going to see that become a much bigger part of this team's ethos, a bigger part of their identity. I think you're going to see player utilization change. Like we talked jokingly about on the mega stream last night, you're going to see like wide receivers used as wide receivers for their skill as wide receivers, even if they don't have skills as special teamers or they're not good and willing blockers, like the Kyle Phillipses of the world benefit maybe the most from this decision because you're not going to see him inactive in on uh, four games in a row during the season because he's good enough to play slot receiver, but he can't help us on special teams and he can't help us as a blocker. So we can't, we just can't afford to use a, a roster spot on him on game day. That kind of archaic nonsense that we saw Vrabel pulling towards the end. that was starting to really grind the gears of even folks like me who are big Vrabel supporters. That's gone. It should be gone. I'd imagine it, if it's not gone, I've got some real, real questions. Um, I, I believe the Callahan, ideology is going to be very different in that regard. And then one last thing that I think is interesting, and we don't know this yet, we, uh, the, the Titans as a team, their identity might stay relatively the same. Um, and, and Callahan morphs to fit that. I, I don't know, but the number one thing the Titans as a team have built themselves as and backed up as their identity the past couple of seasons in the variable era for sure is that they were the biggest and the toughest and the the most physical team. Their their brand was physical to a fault, like overdoing the physicality. And I think that was a big part of the reason why injuries have been a significant issue for them for three seasons in a row. When you play that crazy physical ball and you're looking to knock their guy silly every single snap, every single Sunday, that wears on your body too. And I wouldn't be shocked if you get a guy in here like Brian Callahan and his staff, who we don't know yet, but we're going to imagine uh, shares his ideology on how to run a football team. And, and things are a little bit different in that regard. The Titans are no longer trying to be the most physical team to a fault, hit you in the teeth. Maybe there's a little bit more finesse in there. Maybe they take it a little bit easier. Um, and there's it's a little bit prettier football at times, which may be good, maybe bad. We'll have to see. But as for the injury front, wouldn't shock me if suddenly the injury bug became less of a bug. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. The, the ideology, and I think as they bring in, a, and I think it also does good that 
with this new head coaching hire, an entirely new strength and conditioning team probably comes in. And, and so that's exciting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, you still can keep around some of that, uh, that brand that this Titans team has kind of built because you still on, at least on the defensive side, uh, on the defensive line, have a lot of the same players coming back. So you're going to get the same kind of player, but maybe a little bit different process. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about Bill Callahan? I don't know if anybody's heard Brian Callahan. He's got a pretty famous dad. His name's Bill. He's been in the NFL for a long time. And he's a big reason why Bill Brian Callahan is in the NFL and has such a deep list of connections um, because he's an NFL kid. It's nepotism at its finest. Um, Obviously Brian is not getting the job because of his dad, but he's in this industry because of his dad. And so he's been doing this for a very long time. He's somebody that the Titans fans and the Titans organization, I'm sure would love to have be a part of be a little one, two package deal with his son um, because he is one of the top three, top five skill position, excuse me, not skill position, position coaches in the league considered a guru, right? He's the offensive line guru who has put together some really, really nice units in the past. And the Titans obviously could use some significant help in that department. But the question is, will he come and can he come? Let's talk about that. But first, got to tell you about our wonderful, amazing sponsors, Boomboss Craft Pizza and Tap House. Guys, Boomboss Craft Pizza and Tap House has three locations in the middle Tennessee area. They got East Nashville, Murfreesboro, and where JT and I are doing our live shows this year in Spring Hill. We are there every single Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Central Standard God's Time doing our Thursday show. It is so much fun. We I, we didn't get to go last week because of the ice and snow. I, I am counting the days until we get to go this week. It's going to be so good to be back in the store, hanging out with the fine people, great people that work there, really easy to get along with, great viewing situation for any sports. They got a million TVs up, big screen TVs everywhere, all the sports channels. Phenomenal, phenomenal spread of beers on tap, local and domestic, everything that you'd ever want and things that you didn't know you wanted, but you're going to want to try and you're going to like them and you're going to have a new favorite. And then their pizzas are the marquee. Their craft pizzas are so good. They are unlike anything you've had before. They have won many, many awards in the pizza community, which you didn't know was a thing, but it is. And they are heavily decorated pizza veterans. Uh, they they do pizza really well. And you're going to have to take my word for it. You don't have to take my word for it. You can go and check it out at any of the three locations in Middle Tennessee. So give Boomba's Craft, P- Craft Pizza a try and tell them that Easton and JT on the Hot Read podcast sent you. I promise you won't regret it. Um, so Bill Callahan, JT. He is a offensive line guru who is currently coaching with the Cleveland Browns. Now it's been talked about during the entire head coaching candidacy of uh, Brian Callahan's past couple of weeks that he could be a guy that follows Brian. If he were to get a head coach job and, and he would like to work with his son, we've essentially got that on the record now that bill would like to work with the son. If he became a head coach, but there are some questions out there as to whether or not the Titans could do this without the without the Browns' blessing, essentially. So here, I'm just going to lay out all the details for you here. And uh, spoiler, at the end, you're going to realize that the answer right now is we don't know. And anybody that tells you that they do know, either they know something that nobody else does or they're making a, an assumption that's that's incorrect. We don't know the answer to this, but here are all the details. So 
this was from uh, our buddy. I think it was uh, Mike Herndon said this, but I saw Mike Herndon and Teron Davenport and Paul Karski all say this last night regarding the Bill Callahan and the Brown situation, adding a title. If he were to come to Tennessee, like assistant head coach or senior assistant to Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach does not get the Titans around the ability. Or excuse me. He said this wrong, I guess does not get the Browns around the ability to block the move. To get Bill on the Titans staff, the Titans would need to either make him the offensive coordinator, which is not ideal. I do not recommend them doing that, or get the Browns' permission. The Browns could, what he's saying, theoretically block that hiring. Um, According to Connor Orr over at Monday Morning Quarterback, um, it doesn't sound like uh, in his in his most recent Monday Morning Quarterback article, which I think came out today, that the Browns offensive line coach Bill Callahan will be joining Brian Callahan's staff. Now, I don't know if that's him reporting or if that is him just reading the tea leaves like the rest of us, but he added that Cleveland has been fiercely protective of Callahan in recent years. Plus, he is among the highest paid assistant coaches in the NFL. However, I was talking with our buddy Zach Lyons last night and today about the situation, and he and I think that the people that are saying this, Mike, and PK and Tehran and others are either they know something that is not publicly available, which I don't think is the case, or they're making an assumption and and reading the rule wrong. Um, there was a release by the NFL, a rule change in May of 2020 that is long, and I'm going to summarize here. Um, the resolution changes the current anti-tampering policy by establishing a system that prohibits a club from denying. Um, one, an assistant coach, the opportunity to interview with a new team for a bona fide offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or special teams coordinator position, or two, a non-high-level, non-secondary football executive from interviewing for a bona fide assistant general manager position. So, and there's more to it, but essentially the way that the language reads, this is a rule for folks that are in those upper level assistant head coach or assistant, yeah, assistant head coach, um, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator or special teams coordinator roles. Excuse me, I lied. Not assistant head coach, just the three primary coordinator roles. That's what the rule is for. I, Zach and I don't believe it necessarily based on the language. It actually doesn't apply to non-coordinator roles. And I, I want to pull up some of our discussion because he laid out some, some good examples. We've seen some instances like what Bill Callahan to the Titans um, would be theoretically in the past. And it's not, been an issue like it's it's been allowed to happen uh so for example the indie star which is a publication in indianapolis they said in an article that zach found that scotty montgomery which is a coach up there was promoted from indianapolis uh, from from indies running back coach to assistant head coach running backs coach with the lions and the colts couldn't stop it because it was technically a promotion so he was a running back coach moved to the lions to be a running back coach and given the title the, really the fake time mean, it's not fake but it's for this purpose, you'd imagine it's to get around the anti-tampering rule where you can't have a lateral move without the team being able to, the, the team that is having the coach stolen, being able to block it. You have to elevate them. It has to be a promotion for them to be able to not block it. Well, the way you get around it is you throw assistant head coach on there. You throw some title like that passing game coordinator, for example. So there seems to be a ton of gray area here for assistant coaches moving to a title of assistant coach slash that additional title. I just I think that the, the folks that think they understand this were too quick and linear in their interpretation of the rule, and and they didn't like they they needed to break it down a little bit more. 
we're going to get more on this because again, I think the answer, I'm not saying the answer that they're wrong. I'm saying we don't actually know right now. And I know Zach has emailed some folks in the NFL um, front office that we, we may or may not get an answer from, but something that they said in the press release, um, Actually, never mind. I'm not going to. It's similar to what I just read. Essentially, the same thing where um, it, it, the rule is for those three coordinator positions and not for assistant coaches. An example with the Titans back in 2011, which Zach tweeted this out earlier today, the Titans under Mike Munchak tried to interview Bill Callahan, same guy uh, who was currently the Jets assistant head coach and offensive line coach for their vacant offensive coordinator position. However, back in 2011, the Jets had the ability to block that request, even though it was an upgrade. And in 2020, that anti-tampering policy that we just read changed the rule to what it is now, which again applies specifically per the language to the coordinator roles. Um, but it's largely been perceived by the NFL hiring standards since that rule that passing game coordinator, run game coordinator, and assistant head coach are all promotions, no matter whether they're a, a phony title or not. And so I don't think we have a definitive answer out there. Uh, we don't have an example of somebody being blocked under these same circumstances that I'm aware of, but the hiring team submits their form to the NFL. The hiring team submits that form to the employing club. And then if the employing club wants to deny or make a claim that they want to, to be able to block that hiring, they file that block with the NFL. The NFL decides if the block is approved or not. That's basically the process. So, and I'm just trying to make sure I cover all my bases here. Another example from Zach, Chad Morton. He was a running back coach from 2017 to 2021 and then got a promotion by becoming the run game coordinator and running back coach in 2022. There's a number of examples like that. Okay. The reason why that isn't definitive proof that this works is because we don't know whether or not the team that was losing that coach wanted to block them. You know what I mean? Like they got a promotion and it looks like that worked that the, 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 the team losing a coach had no say in it, but maybe they didn't want to say in it. Maybe they didn't mind the guy moving on. Th that's a lot of technicalities. Did that, that make sense generally, JT? That essentially, again, bottom line, I don't think we know whether or not the Titans can hire away Bill Callahan from the Browns and the Browns can do anything about it. The Browns may not be able to do anything about it. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's going to be interesting. I think obviously the, the bigger point, I think to Connor Orr there is that this this Cleveland team, no matter what, real like it, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna of suck. Of course, for they don't want to lose him. Yeah, they don't want to lose him. Um, but even if the rule is to block it, I it's the NFL. But like, if if your son is a head coach, I feel like it'd be a very it'd be a very interesting cold, and cold, cold move to not let your your go let let them go coach with their son. Right. And um, as Hayden in the comments here says, didn't that happen with Chris Harris last offseason? Yes, this is another example of a guy who went from uh, DB's coach in Washington to Tennessee, where he became the DB's coach and defensive passing game coordinator. Now, again, we don't know if that's proof positive of this working because there's no way for us to know whether or not Washington attempted to block it and couldn't or wanted to block it and couldn't. Like they could have just, they could, it could have been blockable. And they said, we're good for whatever reason, Chris, go do your thing. Like we're, we're happy for you to go or we'd like you to go, whatever the case may be. We don't know. So we need clarification on that. We'll talk about that on the show. As soon as we know the answer, of course, if, if it is the case that the Browns can block it and there's nothing the Titans can do without making him the offensive coordinator, they should not do that. And I would guess that they aren't going to get Bill Callahan, which will be a bummer. But Mike Munchak is a guy that you could bring in as your, he's a guy that we've talked about separately. Somebody that would like to come in 
and um, be a part of the coaching again. And he's a phenomenal uh, offensive line coach, got a long history of doing that. So there's there are contingencies here for the Titans to upgrade at the offensive line coach. Don't you worry. But Bill Callahan's a guy that if the Browns can't block it, I think that is essentially a lock at this point that he's going to be with the Titans. Okay. Now, briefly, and we don't have a ton of time left, um, just some some candidates that are out there for some names to put in your minds. And we're not going to go into a deep dive on today's show on what these guys might be. We're circling back to Trevor Christensen's question about who the leading candidates are. Um, this is, again, it's less than 24 hours after the announcement. The team actually hasn't formally announced it yet anyways. So we'll probably, in the coming episodes on Thursday or, or early next week, talk about what we think about these guys as potential coordinator hires. But on the offensive coordinator front, Thomas Brown is the number one name right now for good reason. He was very high on the Titans list, uh, apparently, of their coaching candidates during this process because he was one of three guys to receive that callback. He was actually there the same day yesterday that Brian Callahan was there. I'd like to imagine they bumped shoulders in the in the hallway and they're like, hey, what if we kind of work together? That'd be kind of nice. But JT, you brought this up, and I think this is a good point that NFL PA poll that we've mentioned a couple of times where the, the players were allowed to vote on which coordinators they loved playing for the most. Thomas Brown was number two and Brian Callahan was number four on the list of offensive coordinators. So putting together the second and fourth most beloved OCs by their own players to, to, you know, lead this new Titans era of offense. That seems like a decent idea, right? Does that, I, I, think I would agree. Be, I think that'd I, be I would very like nice. That. Yeah. That um, sounds, I, that's very I, nice. Like we said last night when we when we were doing these predictions around the board, we it was a clean sweep of Thomas Brown as as everybody's pick on that panel, and I think that still rings true. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see if Thomas Brown is because I know he's still interviewing some other places as well, right. um, doing that due process. But if it comes back, I would really like to see him uh, working with Brian Callahan. Some other names, uh, the next one that comes to mind is the in-house candidate in Charles London, who we talked a lot about on the show yesterday. So I would recommend going and checking that out. But he's the guy that has been really shepherding and developing Will Levis this past season. I think he did a very good job with him. I think it'd be very good for Will Levis, Will Levis as a quarterback, as a young developing player, to have that guy who's been in his ear continue to be in his ear. And so if you want to consider him for offensive coordinator, I think that is absolutely something that is worth considering. And, and again, I, I need to do a better, more thorough deep dive into his chops as a potential offensive coordinator. The assumption is no matter who the coordinator is on this team, that the Brian Callahan is going to be the one calling plays. So you don't have to worry about whether they can call plays or not. Brian's going to handle that as the head coach, but there's important things that the, the offensive coordinator is going to need to do that isn't calling plays. And so um, I need to do some due process on that. Liam Cohen is the other name. These are kind of the big three that come to mind in terms of guys that would be nice for this team because Liam Cohen was there in 2021 with Levis in Kentucky when he was having his most success at the college level. Those two work well together. There'd be some continuity there. You could bring in him as your offensive coordinator. He has experience at the NFL level as an offensive coordinator in 2022 in uh, LA with the Rams. He he could come in and can pick back up where he left off with Will Levis essentially and try to do that whole thing, which it sounds like based on what we heard last night from our buddy, Justin Mello. I don't know how he knows this, but he, he did say to Zach that it sounds like Liam Cohen is going to stay at Kentucky. We'll get more on that in the coming days. I'm sure. I don't know whether that's, a strong take or just a, an inkling or a whisper or whatever it is, but there's that. And then two other names on the list, Alex Van Pelt, former Browns OC is somebody that is, uh, got pretty good connections with the Callahan family. And then Clint Kubiak 49ers passing game coordinator is somebody that has decent, um, 
d- decent connection with with Callahan. I, I believe from his time with Gary Kubiak, Quinn's father, if I'm not mistaken, who was the Super Bowl winning head coach with the Broncos when Brian was there with Peyton Manning. So that's the connection there. And and Clint is, you know, if you've seen the 49ers passing game, not bad. So those are some guys that are on the on the list there: Thomas Brown, Panthers OC, Charles London, Titans passing game coordinator um, and quarterbacks coach, Liam Cohen current Kentucky offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, 49ers passing game coordinator, and Alex Van Pelt, former Browns offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinating candidates. Um, a couple of guys on this list that we talked about last night, the in-house candidates in Terrell Williams, the Titans' current defensive line coach and assistant head coach, who is the guy that's going to be heading up the one of the... again American. Thank you. I'm never, I'm, I'm going to be there and still forget the American team. Terrell Williams is heading up the American team at the senior bowl where JT and I and Stoney and Zach will all be next week. So we'll get to talk to him. I hope I'd imagine next week. And we'll certainly be bringing that up a good bit. Chris Harris, the Titans current defensive backs coach, who is that guy we were talking about a minute ago, who came from Washington, who I think is a phenomenal coach from a person standpoint. I think he's very good at what he does. And I think that this year was not a very good reflection on him in terms of the weapons at his disposal so that that you know he's kind of got that thomas brown thing going where it's like i don't know if i'm going to judge him on the sins of this past year based on what he had to work with uh but i think that those two guys are worth looking at wink martindale who's stoney brought up last night former ravens defensive coordinator he's been around the giants. league a lot. Giants was he with the ravens before and then the giants i i think so maybe I, I, I'm almost pot, but regardless, you're right. He was most recently with the Giants. You're totally right. Um, I think he was with the Ravens. He's been over over a lot of the NFL. He's 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 been a lot of places. He's been around a long time. Um, and if you love crazy blitzes and stressful third downs, then he's your guy, I suppose. Uh, Brandon Staley is a guy that people would hate, but I sneaky wouldn't hate because listen, listen, hear me out. Brandon Staley. There's a reason why he was during his coaching cycle one of, if not the number one hottest coaching uh, head head coach candidates. He revolutionized, not just did a great job as a defensive coordinator. There's great documentation on, I think Ben Solak is somebody who did a video series on the ringer very early on in his tenure there in like 2019, 2020 about what the Brandon Staley defensive system did to the NFL. He essentially changed the math, the very basic version, very basic explanation here. He changed the math on how many players defensively are in the box, which forces the offense large scale, the whole league's offensive minds to rethink their approach to running versus passing and situational football. That's the very, very basic and flawed explanation there, but he has done things defensively that are innovative to, to the nth nth degree chain, literally changing the way that the league operates. And that's the reason why he got the head coaching opportunity. Now he sucked as a head coach and he rubs people the wrong way. And I get it. Like, yeah, he's, he's still Brandon Staley. He's, he's got, he's got some, blots on his record at this point but if he were to get an interview i would not hate that at all and then uh, a couple other guys Corey aldrin texans defensive passing game coordinator is a guy that has connections with uh callahan and james betcher who's the Bengals linebackers coach who obviously has connections with brian callahan jt any thoughts on any of those guys yeah i think too i think out of this list on the outside guys Corey aldrin is one that i think should get a look just because of the not not just because of what he does, but also looking at, at from a talent perspective, the the cornerbacks and, and secondary players that they've been able to get into that room and kind of take from lesser known starters to being some of the top uh, defensive backs in the league is something that I think is pretty impressive and is worth a look. And then with with you on Brandon Staley, as heinous as it sounds, there is something to be said about taking a guy 
from um, from a head coaching position and then putting him back into what he does best, which is focusing just on a defensive aspect. Um, it, if it a is, guy was a great coordinator and then he turns into a bad head coach, does that mean he can't be a great coordinator again? Come on. Not sure, but it, it, it would be worth a look, I think, still. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, all jokes aside, I think that those are guys worth looking at. And again, that's a very surface level skimming of the potential guys. I'm sure we're missing. I'm sure there's some guys on here that will not even get a sniff. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys on the potential future coaching staff list for Brian Callahan that we have not even considered yet. And so we'll, we'll do a better deep dive into that in a little bit. Let's let the team actually announce that they're hiring the guy first. How about that? And by the way, just a super side note, I've seen some folks being like, is it concerning at all to you? They've not. No, this is the way that it works. They're, they're, you know, they got to get the ink dry. The PR team has to have an, a, a meeting on the approach, uh, how they're going to handle this from a public relations standpoint. Like there's a whole process. He's going to be the coach. It, it probably is going to be announced. To, I'm going to guess tomorrow. I think that I'm guessing that the, the uh, press conference is going to be tomorrow. Could be wrong. I'd, I'd be shocked if it's not this week. So we'll see on all on, on all of that. But stay tuned. Obviously. Um, I think that's it. JT, anything else we have to go today Any, to do today? So. All right. Well, it's been a weird and wacky one, but a lot of information on the Titans new head coach, Brian Callahan. Very exciting. Of course, we'll have more to break down on this front on Thursday, as well as the best bet gauntlet. Got to get back our, on our horse on that one, but we're going to work on, on that for the next 48 hours. We're going to hit the books and find some bets for you. And we, we'll get, you know, listen, we, we hadn't fallen off our horse once all year. We fell off it first back to back bad weeks all year long. Not bad. Not bad. Just saying. Um, we're going to get back on our horse this week on the Best Bet Gauntlet and talk about Brian Callahan and anything else that happens between now and then. Maybe the world will explode. And um, at this point, I, I don't know what to expect. You never know. Um, until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. Hey, check out Boomba's Crap Pizza and Tap House and check us out on social media. Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It's free. It's very helpful to us. Subscribe to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Thank you very much for doing that. And then follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at Hot Read Pod. That's at Hot Read Pod. Follow JT at JT underscore Runky. Follow Easton, me, at Easton Freeze. Do all of the things um, which we would appreciate you doing. And we'd love to interact with you guys and hear from you guys on social media. Until Thursday at 530, live at Boomboss, we'd love for you to come hang out. Come hang out. We'll, we'll give you a gift card. You can eat and drink for free. It's a pretty good sell. I think you should come hang out with us. Uh, until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you on Thursday.